You are listening to the 11th hour, a podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Melancon from Debacle Records. And we are winding down this podcast with a, um, I don't know, recapping the, catching it. I don't know, even know how to say <laughs> this. We're, yeah, Talking we're, about the stuff we haven't talked about yeah, on the albums that we like. <laughs> making, making sure we, we hit the highs that we, we make sure we don't miss anything and put too important, you know, yes. on the way out. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, and we probably will miss things, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> this, this week we are in Rancid 2000 mode, and we're going to start this conversation by talking about Radio Havana. Song that goes on and on. It's your so, of course, Rancid 2000 or Rancid, Rancid, Rancid or Rancid 5, whichever you prefer, came out August 1st in the year 2000. Surprise, surprise. And uh, so Radio Havana songwriting credit is Tim, produced by Brett. And it's, it's the, is it the longest song on 2000? It's either this or Let Me Go, right? It's um, a good question. I can't remember which one is longer. But it's one of the longest songs. I feel like it's oh, this one. Oh, yeah, it's but, definitely that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, it's almost like oh, four by, minutes long. by three seconds, it's longer than GGF. And GGF has a big... Oh. Outro. Yeah, I forgot. About it. Yeah. So. so, wow. Yeah, there, there's a lot more song here. I mean, we. I love. I fucking love GGF. So oh, yeah. I'm not. Um. Anyway, yeah. So this this is like one of the most interesting songs on 2000 to me because, like, on the surface, it feels out of place, just because it's got such a. It's so, like it's it's so melodic. It is so harmonized like the stacked harmonies on it and like, yeah like it's a lot a lot more produced i think there's yeah. like a lot more you know well it's like this kind of hybrid life won't wait outcome the wolf song with a dose of something else or something to me yeah that would that's my my note i have in front of me is like just you know just revisiting life won't wait very recently with for us it's like yeah life i mean it feels like you could have just stuck it on my phone wait to be completely honest. Which makes me wonder too. It's like did had was this a song that was originally written for Life Well even like thematically it feels more I don't know, it feels like connected to it. And it may I wonder if it's like was this written during the, like the you know, those sessions or who knows? We'll never know. It's such a catchy song. Oh, I guess uh, yeah, that's a good note. But the Radio Havana Cuba was the official government run broadcast station of cuba i am gonna admit something dumb here it took until like this week for me to understand that this song isn't about somebody being them being or somebody being or about like the way rwanda's about rwanda like that this is not about like oh we went to cuba or cuba itself has a tone of being a fugitive from time because it's like they had to keep things running because of embargoes and things like that like Mm -hmm. and the 57 chevy yes my brain made a story out of it being a story of Cuba. Right. 
And I believe it's actually a story about a friend and their car, you know, Matt and him like old cars. And like, the, uh, it's a moment in time story, a classic rancid moment in time. And they're listening to Radio Havana and it's a fugitive of time because it's, you can hear Radio Havana when you're on the East Coast. And and it's about a friend and and it's about seeming this moment in the car. Yeah. And maybe there's also Radio Havana has a moment where somebody was saying something about Rancid on it, whether or not that, that's a made up moment. Like, I was like, oh, did they go to Cuba? Like, but like, I will admit this is stupid. Like, I feel like really dumb. I'm like, oh, shit, that's dumb. <laughs> that's not what this song's about. It's not about like talking about being in like this slice of life moment in Cuba. It's about this slice of moment in the car listening to Radio Havana and how that's kind of a metaphor for this person that he's talking about the, the, he's got the leather skin and the velvet voice. Right. You know, like I think, and a friend that said, you got to make a choice. I think that there's something more like a mo, like a nostalgic sad moment that happened in my mind. It's at night, you know, and they're listening to radio Havana and they're in this car and it's about being sort of like a person out of time. You know what I mean? And so whether or not that's exactly it, and I, w- I might have jumped from one made-up metaphor to the next made-up metaphor, but, like, <laughs> I think it's really interesting how I claim to be, like, huge Ransom fan, huge fan of this this album. I know it back to front, blah, 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 blah. And then sometimes we'll just take a look at a song and I'll be like, oh, I've been misunderstanding this song since, like, the beginning. And it's just, like, <laughs> these, these yeah. snap decisions that when I was 18 or 17 or whenever this record came out, it just became gospel. Yeah. That's just what it might mean. All the wires connected and then they never changed. I never. <laughs> so I feel, I mean, it's not the most important part of the song, but it's, it's like, uh, I will admit that like, yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I'm convinced that this, you know, it's like how Maxwell murder in my head was about wow, what I had some story. I, I don't even remember what my original story of what Maxwell murder was about. And then realizing, Oh no, it's probably about a drug deal, <laughs> you know, or, or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> right oh it's about jack the ripper yeah exactly like yeah i think i even had that sort of or an assassin i think i'm not the only person yeah. in the world that thought it was an assassin or something <laughs> well i mean i think it's i think it's kind of interesting to the sense you know that it, like when tim is on mm-hmm. like lyrically uh i mean because ggf is another great example like it's about horse racing but it's not about horse racing. No, no, yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, this, yeah, I mean, I think on the surface, it seems like this is about Cuba and being, you know, like, I think, but it's, but then, like, yeah, uh, when you more closely examine to it or examine it or pay attention to it, it's like, oh, no, this is about, I think it's exactly what you said. It's like about this friend and this moment and this, and I don't know, I mean, I think, you know, I think that's, like, one of the interesting things that, I, I think it's one of the things that Tim can do well. Yes. Um, and like in this period, again, like, I, it, I don't think he gets enough credit for how poetically interesting this is. Cause this is probably a song about somebody who's dead. Right. Like, it's like, it's about where'd you like the way there's that big turn. There's even like a melodic turn on that, mo- on that part where they say, Oh, where'd you go on the bridge, you know, uh, going down below. And it's, it's a song about, it's a sad song that goes on and on. And you would think that this would be bad <laughs> writing, but it's like, it's actually pretty obfuscated behind the meaning of the the song. Like it's actually pretty, I mean, I'm not saying he's the most interesting poet in the world or anything. I I sometimes think he thinks that, but. um, Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But, but but you also, you know, like when you're, when you're like a fucking rock star, you kind of have to. Yeah. And it's also a little bit of like, when you compare it to like, 
if people in their minds are like, well, his contemporaries are the exploited and, you know, like nerve agents and, you know, like all these bands that like have no metaphorical, you know, you know, they're not, they're not comparing them to, I mean, we've been talking about Fugazi a lot, like, like, man, trying to unravel what they're talking about all the time is so interesting, you know, but like, or, you know, you know, they're not, it's not these deep, interesting, they're not Sleater Kinney, you know what I mean? Like they're not all these bands, but that's not who they were comparing themselves to. Right. And so, yeah, like, I think, I think it's kind of amazing that he had this ability to write very evocative i mean it feels like this warm song it feels like a nighttime song it feels like it's like why even though it's a pretty bright song like and also that they somehow slid this right into the middle of this album that is mostly you know two or three songs later it's meteor of war and dead bodies and all this stuff and (laughs) you're like and it fits perfectly right that's yeah i mean that's the the like I said, like I, I, on the surface, it seems out of place, but it doesn't ever feel that way. Like when you listen to it with the rest of the album, it's, I mean, that's part of what makes 2000 so fucking good is they give you these breathers Yeah, where it's like, we're going to pummel you over the fucking head, but then you can come up for air for a minute on like Radio Havana or like Rwanda, you know, and have these melodic moments that are, and then we're going to fucking go do it. We're going to go another round. Yep. And it's one, I mean, it's one of the things I absolutely love about this record. It makes it so addicting to listen to. Like, it was on again. Yeah. And, it, and it, of course, it's like, like, it's like Let's Go, where, like, you listen to one song and then you listen to half the record because it's so fucking fast. And mm-hmm. it's so, like, just one more song, just one more song. It's like a chip, you know? You're just like, more, please. I'm listening to it. I'm just like, this is... This is the best, right? You know, like, I'm doing yeah, that thing, like, where I'm like, never mind, fuck it. This is the best rant that I'm... You know, like... And there's something so immediately catchy and addicting about this album specifically that where they like over, it's almost like an overdriven pop that I always love. You know, it's like why I love lightning bolt or why I love whatever. Right. Like, like, yeah, I love that sort of like pop. That's almost all in the red. So it's like painful, you know? Right. This is like the rancid mainstream version of that. Right. Like where it's like, it's, you know, dead bodies and all these things where they're pushing themselves so hard and the, the bass lines are coming at you so fast. But like it's just candy the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, right. And 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 then your point being, but then they know when to let up and give you these like really warm moments of Rwanda and this and let me go. And you know, like and you're just like, oh I, I would claim our other song from today, like Black Derby Jacket. It's a nice like like tonal downshift into a different like whole genre. And like there's something so magnificent about the, you, you think about like two or three songs out of place on this record and would it feel like a completely different record? Just cause it's like, I think it's the most masterfully sequenced record I've like, I've one of the best I've ever heard well, that they've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of that. I don't know. I mean, there, yeah, there's something, there's just something about this fucking record that it, when it's on, you're just like, <laughs> wow, this is so, on another level, you know, it's like, it's just like, wow, it's just, God, they, they had this, that they had this year and they decided to go for, for one record. It's such a cool thing. And, and they knew when to throw in the radio Havana's like, I do think it was probably a life where we hold over and they're like, well, we were developing the song. I don't know. You could see them being like, I don't know if it fits on this record. And then like figuring out, does it fit on the record or not? You know, but. Yeah, I, and I really wonder, I always want, like, I wonder who's making, who, who's making most of these decisions about the sequencing, like how I, 
I don't know. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the, that whole process. Like, is that a lot of Brett decisions? Is that Tim? Is it a ba- I can't imagine it's them as a band. That and what's wild it. is you got to think about like the timing of this too. Like it was barely an um, iPod to be seen, you know, like we're, we're barely into that world. So you're like, you're, you're sequencing it digitally and burning different CDs of it and then going, okay, oh, I'll listen to All it right. in this sequence in the car and then being right. like, like, you know, I remember doing stuff like that in this era, you know, and like, oh, and then yeah. going like, okay. So it's kind of a laborious, like complicated process, you know, but maybe it made you slow down and like really think it through, you know, more than the like playlist sort of move things around. Everything's fungible sort of world we live in now, playlist mode. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do just, I don't know what to say because I'm not a, you know, technical musician in any way but like there's a couple really interesting tonal shifts that that are sound like interesting notes to me like like where they'll kind of do an interesting shift i don't know if it's a full chord shift like like they're going into a different key or if they're just throwing in a couple really interesting notes but there's a couple like down shifts that happen in this in the bridge and other places and the stacking of the harmonies is like something I've, there's rare, it's rare that they get this interesting with their harmonies, you know, even on their most, mm-hmm. like, like, even you know, on Life Won't Wait. Even <laughs> on Life Won't Wait, yeah, exactly. So I wonder how much, Bad Religion were always like, great at that, you know, so you wonder how much like Brett was working with them on this, you know, but it sounds good. And I think all of their voices sound so good on this. It's so like, shimmery almost, you know, like it's got a, I don't know. It's got a really great tone. You know, we we talk a lot about um, "Life Won't Wait" being Lars' like best vocal performance, the one where he's really. I think two thousand is Tim's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I like, think you can make the case for "Outcome the Wolves," but I think it's more like Tim's feeling is the best. <laughs> it's like his feel is the right. best there, but he he was so on point on this record. His yeah, I, the the like one of the things that I kept because I keep, you know whenever prepping for this you can't just yeah. listen like it's like chip you can't just <laughs> fucking listen to one song you just you end up listening to the whole thing but that's one of the things that I just kept thinking was like God and like the thing that puts it over the top for me is like you can tell like how much like how sort of in the pocket he is and he's like really like for Tim trying to like enunciate and like really get but. His voice has that like distorted, gravelly timbre. The, like he always like has that to a degree. Like obviously it got worse over time, but like this, it's like in the sweet spot in this it's album got, where it still will let him get those emotional hitches where it goes up and and register and like yeah. there's something like when he sings, it's a sad song. It goes on and on and like he and he's doing a little bit more of his still his like. O's over that really rounded O, you know, mm-hmm. which gives him kind of a, a kid-like sound. And some people don't like that, but like, and when he does that like whisper song thing, like where he kind of gets close to the mic and kind of like is talking, whispering, like right. there's a couple when he do, gets into, he's doing the concurrent playback. There's a bunch of versions of concurrent playback where he's belting it, but then he's got a one version where he does that line and that, that section where he's kind of doing that classic Tim, I think about that being very out on the walls, right? Where he's kind of like, yeah. kind of talking, singing it to you. You feel like he's mm-hmm. like recording a demo on the tour bus sort right. of thing, you know? Like, <laughs> and, um, 
doesn't want to wake anybody up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a there's something so Tim like essential Tim boiled down in that in that tone. Mm-hmm. And I do think that you're right. Like that you're kind of getting the perfect of like his voice had worn in, and he knew what to do with that voice. Like he was at the height of his powers of like I know what to do with this voice now. You know, like I know all my tricks right. and I've been doing it and I've been rewarded for it. And like, but I'm not. 20 years later, like the new record where he's just a gruff old big dude, you know, like who has like, (laughs) it was its own thing, you know? And so again, it's sometimes the the most beautiful songs I write are the hardest songs to talk about because they're just like, yeah, this song's fucking gorgeous, you know? (laughs) Like it's gorgeous and it's got some meaning behind it and it's, it's just a, it's a ripper. It's good. And it, it fits really well on the record. One of the things, uh, this is like this other, the the middle part where it's got like the, I can't imagine it's actually from Radio Havana, but the like Spanish part. Yeah. The, that, the and it also, it sounds like, it. the thing I always think of, it reminds me so much of the beginning of Jane's Addiction, Ritual De Lo Habitual. It's like the beginning of, it's like even the same fucking voice. Like it sounds, it's like it's the same voiceover, like actress or something. Um, yeah, but every time I hear that, like, because when I was, I don't know, like in sixth grade, I was super into Jane's Addiction, and so I have like this very visceral thing. And it's like every time that comes on, my my brain goes back to sixth grade yearbook class. Like, yeah, and you're you're reminding me about how much there's. This is another one of those moments on Life of Wait in this album where they're letting a little bit of experimentalism in where like mm-hmm. it starts with that swirling. They want to evoke turntables and like radio static texture and radio static. And like, it starts with things kind of being like, there is a little like almost like turntablism moment at the beginning and like a little bit of like God Fugazi sort of like turning on and off the guitar pickups, you know, like, clickiness to the beginning of the guitar like this is like one of the few other times where you feel like some of the stuff he was doing on on let me go creeps in for moments Mm -hmm. you know at the beginning and in the in the bridge and and you're like yeah more of that (laughs) you know like and 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 again like it feels to me bands like this trying that sort of stuff on feels so late 90s you know what yeah. i mean like there was this kind Pretty of much so. what's next permissiveness you know what mm-hmm. i mean like like of like oh well what other tricks do we have you know and um more on life one way right but um more in that 98 yeah 87 98 but like there's the you know again what could have been you know like you just want <laughs> again you just want hit tim and vic to go off and make a band and <laughs> say yes to every weird idea they had but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know like Meet Matt Valentine, you know, is what right. I want them to do. But <laughs> I don't think that's what yeah. they want to do. So the, maybe I guess I'll let them not do it. <laughs> they're they're weird, you know, they're weird uh psychedelic uh harmonica record with what's his name who used to always play in that scene. Um <laughs> what is his name? I can't remember. I can't remember. I know, anyway, I anyway uh yeah. yeah, but uh yeah, it's just uh it's a fucking great song and and it's and uh also a uh, stupid stupid side comment but like don't tell me ever again not that anybody ever has the fucking brett reed doesn't have range man like, oh fuck yeah right oh <sighs> justice for brett <laughs> man yeah i well no brett played on indestructible didn't he yeah 
Damn, that's, that's the one that throws a bunch of really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They only get, but you know, you could tell he had one foot out the door, and also <laughs> the best stuff on it. The, he even has a couple of writing credits because they were doing interesting percussive stuff on there. Like, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't want to fucking talk about indestructible, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Brett. I th- that's the you know, but the other one of the other big takeaways from doing this podcast is that Brett is underappreciated, and Brett like. Brett was more important to Rancid being good than I think I that I than I realized. Yeah, I, think, I, I, I never think gave he, him much. Incredible. I was like, yeah, he's kind of a yeah. boom chak, boom chak, boom chak, and it's like, no, you don't get to yeah. drum across all those different sounds and styles and whatnot, and and have, you know, like just listening to these songs and you're just hearing that Tom, and it's not that it's complex or that he's a virtuoso, but his feel is better, like fits those guys so well. I mean, it makes sense. They've been jamming forever, you know? So. Sure. Well, and, and I think that's so, something that people under appreciate in general when it comes, especially it seems like when it comes to drummers, you know, I mean, I think like technical, like technical ability is important to a degree, of course, but like, I don't know. There, especially in like band like this or, yeah, you know, where a lot of it is whole, vibe anyways, you know, like, Right. I mean, you know, all you got to think about is like white stripes. And yeah. Oh my shit. God. And it's like, uh, no. No, no. That band would suck <laughs> if you had like a badass drummer. That band would suck so yeah. bad. I mean, she was a badass. She drummer, was a badass. But like, I mean, badass, like yeah. guitar center drummer is what I'm thinking. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> a guy who yes. spends every day wishing he was John Bonham specifically and figures out exactly <laughs> how he, instead of just like learning the lessons from John Bonham, he just wants to sound. He's like, how did he do that one thing on that one? You know, like it's like yeah. that sort of like perfectionism and 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 technical, like that musical technician sort of brain. It's good and needed, and I'm not going to shit on it in any way. But like this idea that those brains create records like the Velvet Underground or White Stripes, these like very moving, important things. No, they don't. Usually, it's somebody not, you know, not with those skill sets that are inventing the new stuff. So right, yeah. Yep. And not yep. that Brett invented anything, but he worked really well with yeah. uh, that whole group. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, anybody do we do we know what anybody have any idea what Brett Reed is up to these days? Have we? I think he works at like a card, like like mechanic shop. Uh, yeah, like but like you know, like making it fancy, not like, oh, like a not, like okay. Like uh, a, well, I don't know what you call that, but yeah. I don't know why I can't. Yeah. I'm fucking nerds. Uh, okay. Yes. Like a detailing slash, you know, make it like, like repairing old cars and adding stuff to them. And oh. you know, like, I think that's what he was doing at least a while back. And he's seems, everybody says that when they run into him, they're like, he seems happy. And, you know, Good for him. That's what he wanted to do. And hell yeah. So. Well, hell yeah. Okay. All right. So next song. <laughs> Yeah, as I was saying, yeah, we can't get away without talking about uh, a very contentious song, I think, for a lot of people. But one of my favorite songs by far, and when I sort of become like a real defender of Matt, I think what I'm really defending is this song in my mind, you know. Black 
Black Derby Jacket, uh, two songs away from Radio Fan. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Black Derby Jacket is one of the few Matt-only songs in terms of songwriting credits. It, um, you know, he kind of sometimes, on certain moments, acts as the George Harrison sort of to Tim and Lars, where he <laughs> will just throw up song that is his into the into the mix in like the, the Lee Ronaldo sort of George Harrison sort of yeah. a mode. And uh this is kind of in my mind his his ultimate version of that. And um uh, it's a very different song from most things they were doing. It still has the because it's you know Matt driven, it's gonna have the sped up kind of down, you know, like like bluegrass, sort of boom bop, boom bop, boom bop, boom bop, you know, sort of thing that was kind of his signature thing by this point. But it, in the end, it's kind of a really interesting post-hardcore emo song. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, the structure of it is this uh, kind of very hard on your sleeve. I always think about how like he could have gone and made a bunch of songs like this and it would be his like hot water music. You know what I mean? Like it kind of has that, yeah, that vibe, you know, um, it, it's way closer to Midwest emo than it is most rancid songs. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Edit that out. <laughs> or don't, I don't, don't know. It's fine. I was trying to look at the, I was trying to look at the sequence of something and I accidentally hit play. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, all that said, it's a late period Matt song. So it is very gravelly, really rough on his, you know. But I think this is his best vocal performance, you know, at least in a while. And his most nuanced where he's actually, his his songwriting is trying to do these really interesting melodic leaps. And and again, it doesn't sound like a rancid, like it's, it's one where it really owns the fact that this is a, a Freeman song and not a... Fredrickson Armstrong song, you know, like this is a right. This is a different songwriter coming on board, and it does not sound like the type of chord progressions or approach to writing. And it does some really great things with dynamics and stuff. All that said, I think in the past, this has been a song that you've just been like, "It's Matt. It's late period Matt. I can't stand his vocals. I'm over it." After the, listening to it again, are you still in that that mode? <sighs> Um, before we get to that, did he have, was there anything on, I'm trying to think, on Outcome of the Wolves or Life Won't Wait where he did lead vocals? No, I don't think so. So, I mean, that's kind of, because I was thinking about that, because, like, the last time we really, like, really heard his voice at the four is on Let's Go, which, you know, we did Tenderloin early on. And there's um, a couple other ones. Right? Yeah, Motorcycle, is he Motorcycle? Yeah, no. Motorcycle, uh, right, yeah. And he was doing a lot more backing, like very clear, like, oh, I right. have this verse back in those days too. I actually like this song a lot more than I used to. <laughs> I kind of come around a little bit on it. Reconciliation, on the other hand, no, thank you. Oh, I do like Reconciliation. Like, as a song, it's fine, but like his voice is way more Muppety on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, this song, like, there's something really. Yeah, it's so emo. I mean, it has, like, lyrically and just, I don't know, vibe-wise, it's very, it has a very Outcome of the Wolves feeling to me. Like, yeah, um, yeah. 
it's like Matt's take on the outcome of the Wolves vibe. It, it's it's very much like because Tim, like the whole vibe of Outcome the Wolves is like Tim is pining for somebody away from him. Yeah. And he's on tour. And this is almost like Matt with distance saying the same thing. He's like, this is what it was. Yeah. Like he it's a like it's like got this other extra nostalgia because it's like he's finally writing the letter that he didn't send four years ago. You know what I mean? Or when mm-hmm. they started to get big. Yeah, like, is it, it's not, it's never going to be my favorite song or anything, but I can genuinely say I actually like this song now. It's, it's, it surprised me. It's really quite good. And again, it's one of those times where, again, another band writes this song and it's just kind of Midwest emo band. And it's like, you're like, okay, this is pretty straightforward for a Midwest. But it's the fact that it's these guys writing this song and throwing it on this record the context really makes it interesting. And then, right. You know, having everything drop back and he's doing his kind of like interesting double strum on the bass, and it's got doing the like bridge version of the, but I got a new perspective on you and he's doing it in the halftime part. And he's really going for the, all the good met, you know, and he, he like, right. You're like, wow, this is like really trying something new. You're, you're like, again, like <laughs> it's not too far off from like hot water music or, um, there's another band I'm thinking of that I can't think of that's like really emblematic of that genre and that era that it's like, yeah, you know, like this fits, you know? And um, you know what it kind of has a little bit of a vibe of is this wasn't where I was going, but it's got a little bit of a veil thing going on with the melody. Um, Cause there's a, like a little bit more of that Southern chord progression going on, but. Um, oh yeah. Oh man. I can even, I can't think of the dude's the singer's name, but I can totally hear this song in his voice. Oh my god, he was, he could totally like, do this song. again. I've come around on Matt's vocals for the song. I'm like, I mean, I, do I think they're like, you know, mm-hmm. on, like on the level of say where Tim is on this record? No, yeah. but like, like for Matt at this period, is this? Yeah, I mean, this is the best he can do. But oh my god, like this song, but with the dude from Avail singing, holy shit! Like that could be a that could be something. That could be so. Yeah, like I, I think he wrote a really good song here, and I think this is like he wrote a really good avail song. Yeah, but he kind of did. This is what I'm saying. Like he kind of did that that uh, that post hardcore emo y thing, and 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 it seems to really mean something, and it it, it kind of tugs at the heartstrings, and you're like, mm-hmm. you know, for me, kind of progressing from, you know, Alka the Wolves is like I'm almost too young, and then Life Won't Wait, I'm like you know kind of teenager late period teenager and like this record kind of stuck with me through my early early 20s you know it's like this perspective kind of resonated the like of all the songs on this record that didn't feel like too cheesy i like that there was more mature songwriting on this record for a little moment mm-hmm. like i like let me go for it felt more mature i like this song because it felt more mature i like radio havana because it felt really like more mature like there's some really good mature like band growing up becoming themselves a little bit on this record again i think there's a little bit of and then it all comes crashing down because they right <laughs> got destabilized massively you know and and yeah. tim kind of went in the fuck you leave me alone mode and and they all circled the wagons a little bit too much but i do think there's something about this record where there's some really delightful nuance and 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 whatnot on this, like, I think Meteor of War, like, just the topics they were picking were so interesting, you know, and the, the the fun combination of dumb and smart lyrics on this record, you know, like, it's just, the legacy of all that stuff on this record is so good, 
It's so, mm-hmm. and this is just Matt doing the same thing, you know? And I don't think we've, I mean, this has to be Matt's best song. That is pure Matt, right? I wonder if anybody's like, oh, there's something on the first record that that's his best song. But I'd love to hear if people feel otherwise. I'm trying to think of all. I mean, there's always Boom Shakalaka, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's pretty fantastic. Boom Shakalaka Shaka. <laughs> Um, from the East Bay. I am Matt Freeman, and I'm here to uh, say, yeah. <laughs> which is a different song. Uh, I mean, is Tenderloin a Matt song? Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that the Tenderloin's a, even close to a better song than this. No, I'm just, I don't know that I would either. I, I mean, I think I maybe, yeah, they're yeah, they're totally different. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like especially lyrically, yeah. um, for sure. I somebody yeah. the, the the feedback we got on this somebody brought up a couple covers um neither of which are great but I do think they show that like this is an undercovered song which we should transfer transition to that but like I do think yeah. like more people should cover this song because I think there's an underlying it, well it's very personal to Matt that doesn't stop people like there's a billion and a half covers of Olympia Washington out there you got, yeah, we don't need any more of like, those. Like, we're good on that. Like, people should try to cover that song because, I mean, it's pretty fucking, it, it's a good, you know, heartstring puller, you know, and I think you will discover underneath the the Tim and the Rancid, you know, this of it, you could cover it a lot of different ways. Yeah. No, I, I can't get past the, like, <laughs> they all need to cover this fucking song. <laughs> didn't they just get back together recently, too? They, they? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that. But um, I mean, I feel like you could do a boy genius cover of that song. You know oh, I mean? yeah. like you know what I mean? Oh, like, you could you could do a lot of things. I mean, the okay, how do we want to do this? Do you want to do we want to read the message first, and we can talk about the covers? We want to talk about the covers, and uh, uh, let's read the message, and then we'll talk about the covers. Uh, yeah, the, let's just read the whole thing. Okay. Let's get into it. Like, let's not claim okay. this okay. is our topic. Yeah, yeah. Topic. So yeah, we got. We got a message from Nate. Is this an email? I this is an email. Yeah. Looks like an email. Yep. Um, so it says, but love the podcast and really hate that you're ending it, but also understand. Thanks for the good times. Thank you yeah. for the kind words. You're welcome for the good times. And, you know, there'll be good times had other places. So come on over. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he says anyway, not me, but I'll <laughs> say anyway. I've had thoughts on Rancid 2000 and Black Derby Jacket was just waiting for me. Rancid 2000 was the album. It was a conversion moment. Aesthetically, sonically, and just everything about that album appealed to me and hooked me fully into not just Rancid, but underground punk rock. It was and is so much more appealing than standard D-beat and hardcore hardcore street punk because of the melodic capacity. Even the more hardcore style songs, it really highlighted that you could have attitude and still tell really good stories with your songwriting. As far as your comments on Black Derby Jacket, I love that song. It is heart-wrenching when you really dig down into the lyrics and just a beautiful song about people choosing different paths. I agree that Matt's vocals can, at times, be very unbecoming, particularly in the later catalog. I agree if a different vocalist does the song, it does really change it, so I'm including two links to two different covers of the song. So the first one is Left Alone, which is off of a Rancid tribute album, which he says, in my opinion, is the weaker of the two, but still a pretty good imagining of the song. This one... Like it kind of reminded me, like it was like full, it wasn't great. It wasn't that great. I don't like, I, I have a hard time with Left Alone. It made me wonder what this sounded like would sound like if what this co- a cover of this by like Nikki Sudden would have sounded like, like mm. jangly, weird. I don't know. 
I don't know why it made me think that. Yeah, even like you saying that for some reason when maybe go like other directions, but yeah. And even some of the, the way they were playing it, I was like, even just some earlier lookout bands could have done it in that more the ones that had a little bit more of the eighties vibe, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, um, swing and others could have covered it. Like when they're in their real, like, again, eighties mode, I think, but I think the, I think the directions where you go almost more Americana meets emo or like post hardcore sort of like is really where to go. And, and he does like another one by this guy, Eric Wilkinson, yeah, as he says, I don't really know anything about this guy, and it seems like he recorded a couple of videos and then hasn't done much. He has a pretty rough vo- voice as well, but you know he's more of a singer, kind of YouTube singer songwriter. Like, there's nothing great. I mean, this guy's no great right. shakes, but like he just records a straightforward, like strummy guitar, like acoustic guitar version of this. And even that, you're like, oh, I, I, there's a diamond in the rough here. There's a real song, and if you like got somebody really could do this stuff you know like not not just oh my god you know who i want to hear fucking do this will oldham well my god (laughs) dude that would be amazing (laughs) i mean well you know but but still just like i think imagining him singing the chorus like in his yeah and like and that so especially if it was like early bonnie prince billy style like yeah 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 more uh anyway yes yeah, that's a good one. Like, I'm saying, like, I think you could do a huge range of singer-songwriter styles with this song. Right. And it would work really well. And it, you can do a lot with dynamics with it. You can do a lot with harmony with it. And and I, I think it's like a song sitting on the shelf that people are like, oh, that's that, you know, hoedown Matt song. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, sure. And, you know, it's his personal song, but, like, you could do a pretty beautiful cover, and I, I definitely would challenge people out there to do some covers of this. If, if nothing else, as a legacy of us doing talking about this record, <laughs> it would be cool if there was like suddenly three or four really good YouTube covers out there of like different styles of this song. Because, and uh, you know, especially even if it like you know got some ASCAP money for it, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you know, if you if you point. The way all that works, you know, you can get passive money to him without even doing anything, you know, depending on how he's got it set up. So, like, it would be nice to for Brett, for, Brett, for Matt to get a little bit of attention to his songwriting because this was really, really great. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it being so sort of distinct that with his vocals and, yeah, that, like, fast punk rock hoedown, like, that, that is an opportunity to go somewhere else with it yeah. and to be able, because I, you know, I think a lot of people like, I mean, I took me a while. It's like to separate some of those things, which I have a viscerally negative reaction to, to separate that from the quality of the songwriting. Yeah. And so some, yeah, this is, this is begging for a really good cover. Yeah. Or three. So, <laughs> or three yeah so do, somebody do a whole fucking tribute ep Come yeah on. i was gonna say like a nice seven inch where there's like three versions of it you know like yeah uh, yeah that, i mean i, I <laughs> you've got a label sam i'm just yeah it's like we need the vic need, ruggiero version yeah, yeah i was gonna say vic put it on his this solo is we'll do it well this will we'll get vic and then we'll get will oldham and we'll get <laughs> bill callahan wait wait that's a little too sad we need like a yeah yeah i need a. I don't know. Yeah, I need a uh, <laughs> Julian Baker 
And yeah, there you go. <laughs> These are all very easy gifts. Very easy gifts. Don't worry. And they'll like this <laughs> being told what to do and pitch a rancid song. It's it's all good. Uh, thanks for the note, Nate. Though this is good yeah. because this is exactly how I was thinking about it. But I didn't go out and find the the covers. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know that I would have even thought about covers of this until like this email kind of sent me down that yeah, <laughs> rabbit hole. So yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, again, it's 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 just like yeah, good songs are good, but these two are. I think probably like in most people's mind, not like the first things that jump to their mind, but like these are wonderful top, top rancid, you know, I think for me, yeah, I understand that back to every Jack. It's probably not your number one, like in your top 50, but like there's still like way up there rancid tracks that like show how deep their catalog is that like, these are just like not even what people think of when they think of like wonderful rancid songs. And it's like, that's wild, you know. That's that's pretty nuts yeah. that they have this much depth for being this, you know, in most people's oh, those that's that Ruby Soho band, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It is. You I know? mean, yeah. Uh, and then it all went to shit, but that's you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yada yada yada. Yada uh, yada. Um, but yeah, and then and just yeah, Rancid Two Thousand is a fucking it's ten out of ten. It's like such a cool diamond. Like it's yep. just so sharp. It's so yep. perfect. It's such a great counter. It's such a brilliant counter to life won't wait. It's like sprawl and mess and beautiful mess and over the top. And, and again, like these, these, these like almost like uh, musical theater sort of everybody comes out at the end and has the, you know, sways to the music sort of like technicolor vibes, you know? And then it's, we're in a we're in a basement let's go fuck you you know like and it's and it's still gorgeous and and clean and some of their definitely some of their best writing you know like it's it's not their most resonant writing always but it's their best writing i would say yeah yeah i think so um cool i don't know i got anything else anything else about 2000 you want to mention i don't know i could i don't know yeah and it continues to confound me what exactly is the the order of the, I mean, I think we're probably at Alk of the Wolves. Don't talk about it. We'll talk, yeah, just, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> okay. later. Hey, sorry, sorry. We'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. But I'm just saying. Yeah. It anybody, continues to confound me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, everybody. Uh, get in your questions for our mailbag. Did we, ha, what have we missed? What have, like, from anything? Like, what have we not talked There's about? a lot we're not talking about. From, yeah, but, from songs that we don't know about on the later albums to collaboration, side projects, whole bands. We've we have not gotten to a lot. So if there's something that you're like, ah, why aren't they talking about this? Now's the time. Yeah, now this is your chance. Or and if there's just anything else, like yeah, mailbag coming up, recording it soon. Get in get your shit in. I don't know. There you go. Um <laughs> Otherwise, uh, <laughs> uh, what is what is Tim saying at the end of GTF? All right, I'll see you next time. Time. All right, this is Ransom. All right, this is Brad and Sam yeah. signing off for now. Uh, until next but, time, see you guys later. Yeah, what the, the hell does he?
He says, this is Rancid signing off for now. Till next time. See you guys later. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> How does he make that sound so good on that song? Because you, what you just said sounded like a person like really can't, can't figure out how to hang up a phone. <laughs> I know, mean, like, it does you know have I mean? that like, vibe. He's like, it, like, I think it has like, 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 he kind of sounds like, I, I feel like he actually has, there's a vibe on it that he sounds, like he sounds like a child saying yeah, goodbye like, on the okay. phone. Like, okay, bye grandma. Till next time. <laughs> It's part of why it's so fucking endearing. <laughs> it's true, but like it's like he has this combination of sounding both like like a child, like a man child, and like the coolest man child. <laughs> right. Like it's it's such a fucked up thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's good at all. I like, don't either. I, I, also, I, have... I like like one hundred percent will not endorse that, but it's like true. Like <laughs> Yeah. What a weird thing. Yeah. Well there right. we go. There's a little extra two thousand conversation for y'all <laughs> and with that send in your questions send in your voicemails you can find us at rancid pod on instagram links in the show notes all that shit see you in the pit <laughs>